Hey beautiful soul, this is the Menopause Coach Podcast with me, your host, Adele Johnston. I'm helping you create a vibrant life of joy and happiness without your menopause stealing your personal power and sass. Together, we're making menopause mainstream. So when was the last time you shaved your legs? Yeah, I am not here to shame you. I am just here to recognize it. When was the last time you tended to your pubic region? When was the last time you really gave yourself a beautiful all over body, maybe dry brushing down or moisturizing? Welcome to another episode of the Menopause Coach Podcast, where we're here to delve into important topics and the impacts that these topics have through our lives as women, throughout women's health and happiness. So today we are getting all intimate together. Look at us, covering a subject that often goes unspoken about, carries some stigma and embarrassment for many, and well, let's just drop all of that right now. There is no taboo, there is no embarrassment. In fact, I do a lot of conversation and talking with my one-to-one private clients on a lot of these topics and issues and offer a lot of support and guidance because this too is vital to our health and happiness. What I'm referring to? Well, the episode title is a massive giveaway, I'm sure, but maintaining our sexual health and happiness during menopause. So I am your host, as always, Adele Johnston, the menopause coach, and we are going to be looking at embracing intimacy, a guide to sexual health and happiness in menopause throughout this episode. So buckle up and perk those ears. We are going in. Menopause we know as a natural phase in life, but it comes with its unique set of challenges, particularly in the realm of sexual health and happiness. So we're going to look at a few key topics together today, and I want to start with addressing contraception during menopause. Now, this is a topic and a conversation that happens many, many times over, and I am just astounded with how much we have myth-busting to do in this space. Many women that I speak with assume that birth control or contraception is no longer necessary after menopause and quite a common misconception or myth that I hear a lot of the time in conversations and especially in online chats that we have is that, well, I'm postmenopausal or I think I am or I'm not sure where I am, but I'm not bleeding anymore, so I'm not using any contraception. So we want to really understand why this is important. It absolutely is important, but we want to know whilst the likelihood of pregnancy does decrease significantly after menopause, it's not impossible. And we hear about women that are in their 60s that do still have babies. So women should continue using contraception until they are certain that they are postmenopausal. And even with that, the normal recommendation, according to the British Menopause Society, is to continue contraception after the final menstrual period. So once we've had our final bleed for at least two years, if under the age of 50 years old, and at least a year if we are 50 years old and over. There are a number of contraceptives available. And what we understand then from the NICE guidelines is a little bit of guidance on these, which is always lovely, is that we have these long-acting reversible contraceptives, or LARCs for short, L-A-R-C. So these 
larks are really important to understand in terms of they are long acting but fully reversible. And when we understand what these are, these are, you know, off the top of my head, a couple of the ones that we know to be loud and proud and that a lot of women do end up looking for are methods such as the copper coil, which can last between five to ten years. So it's quite it's quite a favourable one when we think about the fact that we get the copper coil inserted, acts as a contraceptive, but also then lasts between five to ten years. We then have the hormone version of the copper coil, so the copper coil being non-hormonal, and the marina, the marina coil having that levonorgestrel releasing interuterine device um, or system, and it's also known then for its lasting effects. So around about five years or so for that one. So again, these two uterine devices that are inserted can be anything from five to ten years, which is great. We've then got the implants, which can last around three years and similar to that, the injection, which is repeated around every 14 weeks on average or so. So again, just off the top of my head, these longer acting, fully reversible contraceptives um, and each of these getting the name of a fit and forget type of contraceptive. So this isn't reliant upon the individual remembering to take it or remembering to do anything with it or for it. It's literally just either it is injected or inserted and we get to then fit it and forget. Not required to do anything once it's in place, which is a nice and easy way of being able to go about contraceptives if that is the choice. There are a number of other methods, which include things like the progesterone only injection, the contraceptive pill. So we've got those combined contraceptives that can be available orally. And we also then have more barrier style methods like condoms, for example. We have diaphragms and caps. There's so many different opportunities that women get to choose from. Ask me, we could be a lot better in this space for sure. We've not had any advancements really within this space for a long, long time. Um, But that's just personal and bringing that into the conversation for you to do with it as you wish. We even have these natural methods as well. So by tracking our cycles and our ovulation, we are able to then track and to use that kind of withdrawal method if we see that that's the best option for us, not wanting to use any of the pre-mentioned. But it's always advisable that we consult with a healthcare or women's health and family planning professional to discuss. Yeah, to basically go into conversation around what is going to be right for you at this time in life and understanding whether or not you do want to have a contraceptive method based on a more natural method. It is entirely your choice, yours to make, but please do so with knowledge, guidance and understanding to fit your own individual health circumstances. As we move on then to menopausal changes in the vulva and vagina, what we want and need to know, okay, and this is where many of us as women at this time in our lives start to think about the opportunities that we have through things like introducing lubricants and vaginal moisturisers, because menopause often often brings about hormonal changes that can affect the vaginal moisture and elasticity. And we know that especially if you are one of my fellow ladies that does struggle in this space, that you recognise that there are some really 
hard to swallow pills when it comes to the dryness, the soreness, the itching, the swelling, all of the things that just make you think, holy mother of Lord, what is happening to my vagina right now? I am not in a happy vagina place. I hear you. This is one of my main challenges of perimenopause is dealing with dryness, itching, soreness, swelling. And actually up to 40% of women will experience challenges and changes as a result of lowering estrogen levels. And I am not ashamed, I am not embarrassed, and I will certainly not stay quiet about it, which is why I'm doing a podcast on it. Hello world. Yes, I have a dry vagina from time to time and it is discomforting. But you know what? It's no different to me having a dry face or a dry hand and should not feel embarrassing for you if you hear the two words together, dryness and vagina. You're welcome. So when we think about lowering estrogen levels, this is not something that we have caused through neglect or ill health towards ourselves, it's part and parcel of our female aging journey through menopause. And this can, for many women, 40% of so, experiencing vaginal and vulval issues. Now, these symptoms can be anything from some of the things I've mentioned, like itching, dryness, of course, soreness, burning, painful and uncomfortable sexual experiences. And for some, we can even have things like bleeding during and after sexual intercourse, or prolapse. These can all be common challenges created by the lowering effects of oestrogen. So nothing you have or have not done, that's important to note. Now in order to help ourselves out, as we would if we had dry hands or a dry face, we would look at, well, how can I topically support my skin? Because again, your vulva is skin and your vagina has skin on the inside. It's, it's an organ. It's got tissues and cells that also need to be loved. So when we think about this, we have opportunities for localized estrogen, for example, which can be extremely supportive. It's a low-dose estrogen in the form of vaginal pessary, for example, that you would insert either using your finger or you can get these applications in plastic form that you can then just use as an applicator and support that. We also have things like gels. Again, you can use that externally on the vulva area or internally up inside the vaginal wall. Creams, exactly the same thing and even a ring. So there are multiple options that we can get to support ourselves, both available via the pharmacy, over the counter, and even through our GP. Now, when we talk about lubricants, these are a very good consideration in addressing vaginal dryness um, and even vulval pain and itching. Okay, very common symptoms of menopause and yet symptoms nonetheless that many women will not open up and talk about for that embarrassment or that shame that it can hold. Please do not neglect your vulvas and vaginas, ladies. Just like you would not your face, please do not do that to your vulva and vagina. So when we think about lubricants, for example, many lubricants and vaginal moisturisers that can be bought over the counter you don't even need your doctor's involvement for this. Okay, several are favoured over others and include the brands such as Yes Organics, 
I personally love this range. Again, the way that it has been put together and manufactured and brought together lovingly for your vulva and vaginal area so that it actually supports and does not cause any further issues. Many of the over-the-counter brands that are available in supermarkets or stores can contain a lot of ingredients that are not conducive to vaginal health, such as sugars or glycerin, for example, Um, many even containing things like alcohols, and we don't need to be inserting that. Okay, if we are someone who already struggles a lot with thrush outbreaks, then you definitely do not want to be using anything like a sugar or a glycerin within the space of the vaginal wall. So yes, organics have a very beautiful range of lubricants and moisturizers. So go check those out. We can pop a link below into the show notes for you. We then obviously have others. So there are many other ones out there. Silk is another beautiful one. Again, I use both of these ranges. So S-Y-L-K very suitable for vaginal use and an approved lubricant. Yeah, and this is really important, again, for us as women to know that we're not only getting something that feels nice when we apply it, but it's also going to be beneficial and not hinder or cause any further problems. And these approved lubricants do not contain any hormone-based ingredients. So suitable for women who may not or do not want to bring hormones into their body. So go check out Yes Organics and Silk and we'll pop the link to both of those products below. It is however really important to know that items such as petroleum jellies or even petroleum-based lubricants and moisturizers, some oils, so for example baby oil, not suitable or recommended for internal vaginal use. So please do not be using those types of products that contain those ingredients. Okay, I want to send love your way and this is me sharing those knowledge bombs. So knowing this is like, you know, we're swinging into this topic, right? We want to be able to bring this to the forefront and talk about it. But realistically, we are absolutely in the space of wanting to enjoy our body and also for enjoying sex during menopause. And some practical tips that we as women can take here and share with our partners, discuss with our partners that are going to help us to maintain a fulfilling and satisfying sexual relationship with our partners and with ourselves. This is important. Probably the biggest thing actually that I would share in all of this is that communication is key. If you are not open and honest in conversations about how you feel, the changes that you're experiencing, even desires that you have, your sexual desires and your fantasies can change as you mature with age, as you enter into menopause and you start to think about, actually, I've always wanted to do this thing and never experienced it. So communication is really key. Having these honest and open conversations is going to help you with your sexual health and happiness in menopause. And when we think about the changes that we may be having, either physically or emotionally in our body and mind, it's really important our partners and our sexual partners are aware of that. Now, if we're in a couple's relationship, then again, exploring new ways to connect intimately Yeah, just getting creative, whether that's through different types of touch, whether that's through trying out new positions or incorporating 
nice, beautiful, sensual activities into your routine. Yeah, you may be someone who really enjoys having your head touched or your neck touched or your feet. Oh gosh, that really gives me the ick. I cannot stand my feet being touched. That's that's one fact about me. You cannot go near my toes. In fact, I can never even have a pedicure. If you ever see me with painted toenails, it's normally because I've done all my prep work myself, turned up to get them either gel painted or some glitter put over the top of them and literally not let the beautician touch my feet. Little side note, don't know where that came from, but I'm sharing it with you. But you may be someone who loves to have your feet touched. It's important to bring all of this back into your routine, your sexual activity. And it's also important to be prioritizing your self-care. Yeah, the simplest of things can help you feel more confident. When you are more confident, you are more likely to embrace intimacy. So when was the last time you shaved your legs? Yeah, I am not here to shame you. I am just here to recognize it. When was the last time you tended to your pubic region? When was the last time you really gave yourself a beautiful all over body, maybe dry brushing down or moisturizing? All of the things that bring you self-care's joy to your body. When was the last time you did anything like that for you? And we get to address this, you and I. We get to have this conversation because guess what? Your happiness is important to me and we want to make sure that as you are going through your menopausal journey, that you're doing so with a bloody fantastic sex life. So let's address these. Let's look at any health issues or concerns that may be impacting your sexual happiness and well-being. And yes, hairy legs can be one of them. So what can we find in our bodies during menopause that's changing? And then I think this is something that We've talked about in many, many episodes prior to this one. And it's not just about the vaginal changes that we experience. It's wider than that. It's deeper, it's bigger. It's all the things that come through. But a lot of the times we have to be fully aware that as our bodies are changing in our menopause journey, regardless of what stage in that journey we are at, we may find that our ability to get into certain sexual positions and maybe the ones that we've always loved to do are just no longer providing enjoyment. And that can be for a number of reasons. We may find that we have stiffness in our hips or in our back. We are no longer able to hold certain positions for any length of time. And you know what? Some of them can cause pain or discomfort and we can find ourselves not enjoying it. Yeah, we can even find that we are not able to climax in certain positions And this too can be as a result of lowering estrogen levels in the body throughout perimenopause into that journey to postmenopause. And you know what? For a lot of women, the ability to have a very powerful and enjoyable climax or orgasm with our partner can be lost. You have not done anything wrong. You have not caused this or not caused it. It's impartial. It becomes an element of your lowering hormone levels. So again, something that is easily resolved and easily helped. The sensitivity around the clitoris area can change over those years as well. And this is where things like lubricants and moisturizers can play a nice role in making it more pleasurable. 
Yeah, in fact, around 40% of women can suffer with vaginal dryness, as we've heard, and this alone can make sexual, sexual connection and contact a little bit more challenging and not as enjoyable. So if you can talk about this with your partner, express the things that you want to try, and if you try them and they're sore or you do not get enjoyment from, then you be honest about that. We can find ourselves lacking in desire quite a lot of the time and even getting aroused or, or having that sexual desire to get intimate can be a bit of a challenge yeah we just aren't we aren't really there right we're not feeling horny anymore and this can be a wider factor than just lowering hormones we can find that other challenges that are brought about in menopause like sleep disturbances or insomnia can play a really, really big role. And this can certainly become a bit more of a problem for many couples and again, impact quite a massive amount of menopausal women, you know, between 40 and 50%. So this isn't something that happens to a small amount of women. It's way more common than we realise. But again, just not talking about it. And this is where psychosexual awareness and even psychosexual therapies can be super supportive. And I will actually be speaking with a menopause doctor who specialises in this area and is a sexologist. How cool is that? On the podcast, we'll be interviewing her, we'll be talking about the intimacies and going a bit deeper. So if you are already enjoying this episode, then do make sure to give that episode a listen when it airs in January 2024. Now, one thing that helped me personally was to include testosterone into my HRT. So known as TRT or testosterone replacement therapy, included in my hormone replacement therapy is something that really helped me with my libido and sexual desire. Several studies have shown that TRT can be very helpful in postmenopausal women. Now, I am not postmenopausal yet, but it has also helped me perimenopausal. And when we know that this is supportive and we have the availability of it, it just blows my mind that we then have to jump through hoops as women to be able to introduce this into our bodies for a small space of time. May not need it forever, right? But it just blows my mind that we are still coming up against a lot of women who are denied this hormone as part of their hormone replacement therapy because it's not deemed to be as important for them or it's not deemed to be necessary because actually they're not that bothered about having sex anymore. This is a challenge and it's something I feel really strongly about because it has significantly supported me, not just within my intimacy with my husband, but also within how I feel about myself, my confidence, my motivation, yeah, my ability to be a bit more active in life has really been helped through testosterone replacement therapy. But if you believe that you would benefit from this hormone, it is a hormone, it's not just a supplement, then please, please, please consult with a qualified professional that can support you with your own next steps. We are not ever going to advise that you go ahead and just organise this on your own because it is a hormone and we do not want to be mucking about in that space. Now, I want you to just really hook down a little bit around remembering this, remembering that sexual health is an integral part of overall well-being for us women, for us human beings. Yeah, it's really important. In fact, it's so important that we feel this for connection. We feel this in happiness 
And ultimately, without this, without sexual connection, we will not thrive. We will not soar to new heights in our lives. And you know what? It's never too late ever to be prioritising your sexual life and your fun. Yeah, if we're not having fun in life, what the hell are we doing? So if you're struggling with anything mentioned today, please send me an email. I am here. I'm holding space for you. The link in the show notes, Adele at adelejohnstoncoaching.com reaches me directly. You will not get a member of the team there. You will get me. I may take a few days to come back to you, but I will come back to you. So please do be patient and I'll be there to help to guide and support you. And if it feels right, then we can even address what it would feel like for you to get some one-on-one guidance and support from me during this time, given that This is an area that I love to help other women to feel confident in, yeah? Sometimes we simply just need to have someone else support us in our journey and remind us of what's important. This is not taboo. This is not something that we feel or should feel shame about discussing. It's certainly not embarrassing. So if you are struggling with vaginal dryness or changes there that you think, do you know what, Adele? never recognized that I had these challenges before I listened to this podcast episode and it has maybe triggered something in you to then want to seek further help, then know that I am here and just a message away. As with everything, you always have choice. You have choice to continue struggling and suffering or you have choice to step forward, send that email and ask for help. So if you have any questions or equally, if you have topics that you would like me to cover or to bring in a guest for future episodes, then please do feel free to reach out to me and the team via support at adelejohnstoncoaching.com or over the social media handles that we have. The most dominant one that I am active on Instagram and you'll find me there at the dot menopause coach. Come and share with me. What do you want to know? What do you want to hear more of? And we will absolutely do our research and bring the right person in if it's not an area that we have our own knowledge on. So that is all for today. I really, truly hope you have enjoyed listening to this episode. I know that for some, embracing intimacy and thinking about sexual health and happiness in menopause may feel a little bit out there for you. You may feel like you're not ready to approach that yet. You may feel that actually just listening to this has been enough for you at this time. But if you can take just one thing away from this episode, I would love to invite you to just be open to conversation about it. Yeah, whether that's with yourself or with your partner, but to talk about it. And until next time, I invite you to also take care and prioritize your health, happiness, And remember that you get to express yourself in a beautiful, powerful, healthy, happy, sexual way because sex is an important part of our life. I truly hope this episode has sparked something vibrant inside of you. I ask only one thing. To help keep these episodes coming, please subscribe and share with another in your life. That's how we reach more women worldwide and we help them step into their power. Because together, we are working to remove any of the stigma and taboo that surrounds menopause. This does not need to be a daunting, a scary, a taboo time in anyone's life. So together, let's make menopause mainstream.